0: Sin is always built on a lie, and if you indulge it, it's going to lead you down step by step incrementally over time until the Bible says your heart becomes entirely hardened, and that word hardened is from a word that means resistant to God's voice.
1: Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you so much for joining us this time. Today we're continuing the series, Encouragement for Discouraging Times. You know people attend church for a variety of reasons, most good, but one key reason for Christians coming together on a weekly basis should be to encourage one another, especially as times grow darker and Jesus' return draws nearer. Today we're continuing with part two of the message, How to Encourage One Another. So let's get right to it and see what God's Word has to say about this very important subject. I was visiting a couple one night in their apartment many, many, many years ago. They had just gotten married, and I had known them for years. He made a joke at her expense that was rough. And as young as I was in God, I had a word of wisdom on the spot. His marriage is doomed. I said, why, Lord, is his marriage doomed? Because he said what he said in front of you, and that is a harbinger of things to come if he doesn't get a hold of his words. See, you can't criticize people in your house ad infinitum without one day the whole thing rattling, shaking, and collapsing. Now, let me tell the opposite, because the opposite is very good news. You show me a happy marriage, or you show me a long-term, fulfilling friendship, or you show me a good child-parent relationship, and I guarantee you that part of that relationship has been positive, uplifting words. Encouragement is the sunshine that makes a soul bloom like a spring rose. Now, sometimes, I know what you're thinking. You say, Well, Jeff, sometimes we do need to say something corrective. You do. But you're never to say something corrective in a condemning, contemptuous, castigating, demeaning manner. Because that's not what Jesus does to you. How did Jesus talk to you last time you failed? Did he come up to you and say, Well, you stupid idiot. I should have known. Isn't this always the story with you? You just can't get it right, can you? I'm wasting my grace and time on you. Did he say anything like that? No, he said, Repent. I'll forgive you. I'll stand you back on your feet. I love you. My love hasn't diminished. I'm for you. Come on. Get up. I'm behind you. It hasn't changed my love for you one bit. Isn't that what he says? Come on. Well, we need to realize the power of the tongue. People can tame all kinds of animals, James said. You can tame birds, reptiles. I don't know how you tame a fish, but that's what he says. You can tame fish. I didn't know that. Come here, come here, Goldie. I didn't know you could do that. But he said it. Now, that's just free. I'm just tossing that out. People can tame all kinds of animals. Well, you can tame orca, can't you? Dolphins. So he's right. The Word of God's right. All right. (laughs) I just had a revelation on the spot. Now, but no one can tame the tongue. You can't tame your tongue. The Holy Ghost can tame it, but you can't. It is restless and evil, and oh, it's full of deadly poison. Your tongue. He says, with it we praise our Lord and Father, and then we turn right around and curse those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Now, God desires all of his children to be really good at encouraging. And I'm sharing this message in hopes that you don't just walk out and say, well, that was a good word. He sweated a lot. (laughs) That was a good word. Good word, Pastor Jeff. But James says, if you go out and forget it, you've deceived yourself. We need to hear this and let it change us. Now, there's three powerful facts or truths on the power and need for encouragement. And let me just share them with you quickly. One, encouragement helps keep the believer from drifting from God. Hebrews 3 12 to 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But look at the antidote. But encourage one another annually. Oh, I'm sorry, I read it wrong. What does it say? How often? Some of you think I'm supposed to do this Christmas and Easter. Like the guy that comes up every year and pats me on the back and says, you bless me every Easter, Pastor. And then I never see him again for another year. Well, I didn't bless him too much or he'd be back the next Sunday, right? Now watch. He says, encourage one another daily while it is called today. That means during the age of grace, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, notice that he says we should be encouraging one another not weekly, not monthly, not sometimes, but all the time, daily. Who'd you encourage last week? Who'd you encourage last week? Come on, get up. You can do it. Let's go on in God. Come on. I called to encourage you, came over to encourage you, walked up to you to encourage you. Now, why does he say we need to do this? He tells us clearly, lest any of you depart from the living God. And then he tells us how this drifting can happen. Here's how it happens. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Wow. Everybody in this room is in a battle with sin. Oh, yes, we're redeemed. Yes, we have the Holy Ghost, but we've still got flesh. And every one of us this week battled against some kind of temptation to sin. If you're exempt from that last week, I want to meet you. I want you to lay hands on me. Now watch this. Sin, he's telling us, is always deceitful. Sin is always deceitful. That's how sin wins so often, because it's deceitful. I don't care how good it looks, how promising it appears, how justified it may seem. Sin always leaves you weeping in ashes of regret. Always. Now let me give you a news flash. At the moment of temptation, the devil never shows his hand. He holds his cards close to his demonic chest. He never tells you about the end of what he's presenting to you. The end results, the end consequences, he never tells you. He'll never do that. He never reveals consequences. He only reveals false benefits. That's it. He never reveals the consequences. If he did, nobody would do it. His expertise is in getting you to focus on the immediate gratification of his proposition and disguising the whole time the long-term consequences of his offer. He's never going to let you see the tears, the regret, the wreckage, the ruin. He's never going to show you that. He's only going to show you what's up front. Hey, if you'll do this, I promise you, you'll be fulfilled. You'll be happy. You will have found your niche in life. You're going to benefit somehow, some way from it, and it's always a lie. There's never a sin, that there's not a promise attached to it. And the promise is a lie. Because sin always promises what it cannot perform. It assures you a pleasure that it never imparts. It leads you further than you ever intended to go. You thought you would go from A to B, and suddenly you find yourself at Z. And you wake up one day, and you say, how did I get here? Because that's sin. Sin always takes you further than you want it to go, than you ever thought you would go, than you ever thought you could go. The person who commits sin is always under the delusion. They're going to benefit in a positive way, but it's all a lie, which is why the Bible calls it the deceitfulness of sin. Now, he says encouraging one another helps battle the believer to win over the deceitfulness of sin. It always is a lie. Listen, no drug addict ever saw their days lived out in misery and enslavement when they first ate of that forbidden fruit. If they could have seen where they were going to wind up in five years, 10 years, one year, they would have put that stuff down and fled. But the devil didn't show them that. The devil just said, do it and you're going to have some fun. No alcoholic foresaw the day when they would lose their job, lose their career, their dream, their family, all their self-respect when they first put the cursed bottle to their lips. No young person ever imagined when they first began hanging around with the wrong crowd that they would one day be looking through prison bars at a ruined life. Oh, no, no. The devil just says, go on with them. They're not so uptight. They're not like church people. They have fun. And you hook up with the wrong crowd sin is always built on a lie. And if you indulge it, it's going to lead you down step by step incrementally over time until the Bible says your heart becomes entirely hardened. And that word hardened is from a word that means resistant to God's voice. It begins when you first go off into sin, you hear God, Hey, what are you doing? A year later? Hey, what are you doing? Two years later? Five years later, huh? I don't hear you anymore. My conscience is seared. My heart is hard. Now, the Bible says encouragement among the saints keeps you from drifting like that. Wow. Everybody say encourage one another. Daily. Close friends should encourage one another. Parents should encourage their children. Church leadership should encourage those under their care. Spouses should encourage one another. The older should encourage the younger. And church members should regularly gather together like this, not to look at somebody's new dress or new suit or to gossip or to slander or to talk about somebody else's business, but to encourage one another to keep walking in Christ. That's what church is all about. So first encouragement keeps the believer from drifting into the deception of sin. Second, encouragement will keep the faint-hearted from quitting. Some of you walked in here today, you've got a white flag in your back pocket. And you're thinking any time now it's coming out and I'm putting it up and I'm done because I'm beat down, beat up, I am so tired of trying and failing and thinking this is going to happen and then that happens instead and my hopes being dashed and I just don't know where God is and I don't know what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Get to church where they encourage one another. Get to church where they encourage one another. That's what local church is for. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, We urge you, brothers and sisters, encourage the disheartened, which is the same as faint-hearted, Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Let me tell you about disheartened. It means small of soul. It refers to an undeveloped soul, somebody lacking a healthy identity. They're undeveloped in their character, which was Jeff Wickwire when I first came to Christ, and that's what that couple encouraged me out of. This is the timid, fearful person the easily overwhelmed, the easily overburdened type personality that just has trouble doing life, or the person that's crushed with discouragement. They're just crushed because of things that have happened in their life. And it says, encourage them. That's the serum. That's the antidote. That's the God pill. Encourage them. Encourage the ones who feel like they can't keep going on. They're in this room. They're in this room. You dragged to church today, and you used to skip the church. If nobody could bring you, you walked. You were there every time the door was open, but that zeal and zest is gone. This week, I got two calls. One of them was a semi-911 and one of them was a nine one one. The first one, I talked to a man who I'm just going to tell you, when we were 14, 15 years old, we were in drugs together. I got saved first. I used to witness to him. He'd run from me in junior college. He'd see me coming and he'd run. He admits it. So he knew I was going to hit him with the gospel. And so he'd run. But he got saved. He was a pastor for 25 years. But then he had a breakdown. His wife left him. He lost his church. He's lost his health. He has just learned that he's going to have to be on dialysis or get a kidney transplant. He has beat down. He said to me, Jeff, the night before you called, I was in bed, and all I could do in bed was say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's all I could say. Well, I came and got him, drove to Dallas and got him, took him to a coffee shop where all good encouragement happens. There's an anointing on those places. (laughs) And I just sat there with him for about an hour and a half. Then I took him out, got him some groceries, took him home, and I encouraged him. I said, hey, here's what I told him. I said, God's not done with you yet. And tears filled his eyes. I said, I know God's not done with you yet. And he began to weep. Tears streamed down his face. I said, the devil was telling him, you're finished. You're all washed up. There's nothing left. But it was a lie from the devil. And I said, God's not done with you yet. And that's all that it took. And then I got a call. Neither of these two people go here. They don't. But I got a call. So-and-so wants to see you. She's been putting them out of hospital. She wants to see you. I was stunned because this is a beautiful, winning, winsome, natural leader, teenage girl. Beautiful girl, full of potential. Will you come see me? Been a Christian as long as I've known her. So I went, walked in, sat down. First thing out of her mouth I don't want to be here anymore. I'm done. I see no reason. I want to go. And you know what I did? I pulled the Bible out of my pocket, my sword, and I began to minister the Word of God. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. God's not finished with you. Just because you're down, you're not out. You're not going down. You're going through. You're going to come out of this on the other side, and you're going to strengthen people when you get there. Don't you dare give up. Don't you put up the white flag. Don't you walk away. Don't you give up on God because God hadn't given up on you. And I stayed there for an hour and 15 minutes, and by the time we were done, she was smiling, gave me a big hug. And I have all the hope in the world that it's going to change, but she got so far down, she wanted to check out. And so you don't sit there and say to somebody like that, well, you're a Christian. What are you doing with these kinds of thoughts? Boy, people like that make me nuts. Like, like Christians are supposed to be in some kind of a bubble where nothing happens to them. Hey, Christians hurt. Christians fail. Christians get wounded. Christians need help. Bible says, cheer them up by using comforting, soothing, encouraging words. One man wrote, flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. But encourage me, and I will not forget you. One of the best examples I know, the power of encouragement to pick a person up and put them back on their feet, it took place on New Year's Day in 1929, listen to this, when Georgia Tech and the University of California played in the annual Rose Bowl football game. Some of you didn't know the Rose Bowl was that old. I said 1929, not 1992. And in that game, a man named Roy Regals, the center for the California football team, recovered a fumble, and in all the excitement and pressure, he got hit. He got disoriented, and Regals became confused and began running the wrong way. One of his teammates saw what was happening and ran with all of his might and tried to tackle him. On his side, his team was saying, stop, stop, and he thought they were saying, all right, you gathered the fumble. The other side, that team, wasn't saying anything. Glory to God, don't say nothing. He's running towards our goal. He ran past the 50, past the 40, past the 30, past the 20, past the 10. Then on the two yard line, his teammate finally caught him and tackled him. That was during the first half. Everybody was wondering what Coach Nibs Price would do with Roy Regals in the second half. During the halftime break, Regals sat alone in a corner in the locker room, wrapped a blanket around his shoulders, put his hands in his face, and he cried like a baby. Three minutes before the start of the second half, Coach Price looked at the team and said something that startled them all. Men, the same team that played the first half will start the second. Regals didn't move. The coach called him and said, Roy, come on. He didn't move. Coach Price went over to where Regals sat and said, Roy, didn't you hear me? The same team that played the first half will start the second. And Regals said, Coach, I can't do it to save my life. I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined myself. I couldn't face that crowd in the stadium to save my life. Then Coach Price, clearly being a wise man, reached out and put his hand on Regal's shoulder and said, Roy, get up and go on back. The game is only half over. Oh, I like that. That moves on me. Because see, some of you have been going the wrong way. And you feel like I've ruined my life. I can't face people again. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've ruined everything by going the wrong way. But listen, Jesus is standing there saying, get back up. He's calling you by name and saying, get back up. Get on your feet. It's only halfway through the game. Get back up. You've still got some plays to make. You've still got some balls to carry. Get back up. Get back up. Come on. It's true. And if you think that's not Jesus, you don't know my Jesus because he said to Simon Peter, You denied me. You walked away from me. You said you never knew me. You did it with cursing. But, Peter, I'm here to tell you to get back up. You're going to preach on the day of Pentecost and you're still my man. Come on, everybody. You haven't failed so bad, they call you Wrong Way Roy, <laughs> which they did. Here comes old Wrong Way, or another way they put it, Roy Wrong Way. You know what he did? He went out and played one of the best second halves in college football, and for the rest of his life, Regal would attribute those encouraging words as being the words that turn a tragedy into a triumph. Encouragement will keep you from drifting It'll strengthen the faint-hearted. And then one last thing quickly. Encouragement helps a person to see God in tough times. That's really all you need when you're going through a tough times. You need to see God in it. Here's a perfect example of the Bible doing this. James 1, 2 to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How often do we do that? Man, I am in hell, but I consider it great joy. Oh, what an opportunity to have joy. No, you're in the prayer line. Pray for me before I go down and don't come back up. Now listen, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Here's what he's saying. Don't worry, be happy. God's at work even in your discouragement and pain. He's got this, he's got you, and he's going to work this out for your good. Chin up! When this is all over, you're going to be a fully developed saint of God looking more like Jesus than you ever have. You can't lose when the greatest winner of all time lives inside of you. You can't. Well, that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed the message and that you've been encouraged to become an encourager on a whole new level. And in case you haven't heard, Life Talk has a brand new website we'd love for you to visit. Just log on to lifetalkradio.us, that's lifetalkradio.us. From there you'll be able to listen to today's message just as you heard it, and you can also order copies of today's and previous radio messages. And you can access the podcasts of all of our messages as they were delivered at Turning Point Church. And last but not least, you can partner with us in giving. Life Talk is a listener-supported outreach. We believe God has called us to carry His Word to the world. And if you would like to help make that happen, just click on the Giving tab on the lifetalkradio.us website, and it will tell you exactly how to go about helping. Help us reach the nation by staying connected to Life Talk. And join me again next time for another exciting message from our life-changing series, Encouragement for Discouraging Times. Until then, I pray God richly blesses you. How to Encourage One Another is the second message of Pastor Jeff's series, Encouragement in Discouraging Times. You can own a copy of this four-CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the
1: entire series, Encouragement in Discouraging Times, for only $20 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at
0: 877-884-3111 for more information.
1: listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111.